1 Thessalonians chapter 5, um, we're going to continue on a series that we started last week for the Sunday school, um, just to kind of get an idea of some things, and as I said before, that will play into the actual message, the series that we're going to start this morning in the regular preaching hour. Um, so 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23, um, and uh, let's, take a look at, let's take a look at this here real quick, verse 23. And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to study your word, that you preserved it throughout the years and ages that we can have it, we can handle it, we can study it. Uh, but it's more than just something to know. It's something to actually live. And we just allow your life to live in and through us. Uh, and that's our purpose, that's our goal, that uh, we might be to the praise and honor and glory of your grace. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> now, um, of course, last week, and, and I'll probably end up leaving all this stuff up. Remember, last week we started talking about your three parts, your makeup, what makes you who you are, right? And of course, according to this verse right here, what we find out is spirit, soul, and body now <clears throat> one of the things as we've gone through and looked at some of this stuff go to first first john <clears throat> go to first first john chapter two <clears throat> First John chapter two, and also grab James chapter three. <clears throat> so First John chapter two, and James chapter three. Um, in First John chapter two, notice here verse fifteen says, "Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh." The lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but of this world, and the, of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Now, if you go back to James chapter 3, notice this, and we'll just we'll jump in at verse 15. We'll ver let's start off in verse, um, start off in verse 13. James chapter 3, verse 13. Who is a wise man and a dude with knowledge among you? Let him show of, the good, of a good conversation his works with meekness of wisdom. But if ye have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. This wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, and devilish. For where envying and strife is, there is confusion in every evil work. So, there's a particular wisdom that we read about here that where does it come from? It doesn't come from above, but is what? Earthly. So one of the things we've talked about before is there's a particular way in which this world works, Ephesians chapter 2. In Ephesians chapter 2, we find out a lot of really good information about stuff that we didn't know about ourselves until we read Ephesians chapter 2. And notice here, in Ephesians chapter 2, it says, And you, I'll wait till everybody gets there, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1, And you hath, and of course that's past tense, he quickened, who were dead in trespasses and sins. Now, of course, who is he talking to here? He's talking to the folks in Ephesus who used to be unsaved. Now they're saved. They're part of the church, the body of Christ, and members in, our, in particular. And so then, as we look at this, he's talking to saved individuals and saying, here's who you used to be, right? You were what? Dead in trespasses and sins. That was, as an unsaved person, that's your position, right? And he says, wherein in time past, ye walked according to the course of this world. So what we know is there is a course in which this world works. And the way that this world works is it's always going to work this way to get to your body first, your emotions and all that stuff. 
And we've talked about before, um, if you remember, as we're going through some of those other things, that DWE thing, right? Doctrine, intellect, will, and emotion. Well, that's how we should work, based on sound doctrine. But how does the world work? Based off emotion and then goes. And your emotion identifies and says, this is what you should think, this is what you should feel, this is what you should believe, based on how I feel. You look at our country right now. That's where, they, that's where our country as a whole is, is right here. I feel like I am dot, 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 and you have to accept me for my feelings of who I am. That's where we are. That's not where we should start. Are emotions good? Yes. If they're done the right way. If they're based off sound doctrine. Emotions are fantastic. The problem is a lot of times we look at emotions and say, that's truth. Well, the problem is what happens with your emotion is tomorrow you have a different emotion than you had the day before. So what's happened to truth? It's changed. That's where we are in our culture, which we should not be shocked about because it's all the way throughout Scripture. The majority of the stuff that you come across in Scripture, that's where it starts off is that emotional type stuff, right? Now, <clears throat> verse 2, he says, Wherein, in time past, that time past there is what? That's not the dispensational time past. That's your personal time past when you were unsaved. At that time, in your time past, in time past, ye walked according to the course of this world. When I always think about that course, it's the same thing as there's... A doctrine that teaches us how to live in this world. Now, we've always gone through and talked about that. That doctrine has some wisdom that backs that up, right? Now, go back real quick. Um, Go to Matthew, Matthew chapter 11, and we're going through Matthew on Wednesday night, so this is something that we've been, we've had on our mind as we've gone through. There's a wisdom that that doctrine teaches. Now, notice here in, in Matthew chapter 11, and to kind of get an idea of where we are in Matthew chapter 11, at the beginning of Matthew chapter 11, you got John the Baptist has disciples that he sends to Jesus Christ to find out, should we go looking for somebody else? And then Christ starts talking to the folks there. We get down here in um, verse, verse, verse 14, verse 13. It says, for all the prophets of the law prophesied until John, and if ye will receive it, talking about the kingdom of heaven in verse 12, this is Elias, which was for to come. He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. But whereunto shall I like in this generation? It is like unto children sitting in the markets and calling unto their fellows, and saying, We have piped unto you, and ye have not danced. We have mourned unto you, and ye have not lamented. So here he's dealing with these folks, and what are they doing? Piped unto you. Here's music, and you're not dancing. We've mourned unto you, you've not lamented. Verse 18, For John came neither eating nor drinking, and they say, He hath a devil. The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they say, Behold, a man gluttonous and a wine-bibber, a friend of publicans and sinners. Now, you've got two different guys that are doing two different things, and what are they doing? They're saying, well, we don't like this guy because he's not doing this, and we don't like this guy because he is doing it. And the whole point there is they're missing the mark because at the end of the verse, notice, but wisdom is justified of her children. There is a wisdom here that the prince of the power of the air we see in Ephesians chapter 2 puts out. Now, what do we know about his wisdom, about Satan's wisdom, is it's corrupted, right? He was originally wiser than Daniel. We go back and we read that. But what's happened to his wisdom, his wisdom is corrupted. So then there's this other wisdom over here. 
by which God works, and he's revealed that wisdom. Go real quick to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. First Corinthians chapter two. In First Corinthians chapter two, notice here in verse three. Let's jump in at verse. Well, let's start off in verse one because it's got that too. Notice, and I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the power of the Spirit and power. Why? That your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. So, when we take a look at this, that wisdom that he's talking about there, the wisdom of men, that's this, what's been taught for ages. And we talked about last time, what does that wisdom produce? Is fear, shame, and rejection. The reason that people have fear for their lives they feel rejected, and they feel shame, and they go so far that that shame, fear, and rejection makes them think, I can cut up my body, and I will be better. That's what man's wisdom comes up with. And if you think about that, <clears throat> Satan's wisdom is what? I want to be like the Most High. And what happens, you go over to Romans chapter 1, you find out that people, what? They worshiped and served the creature more than the creator. And you know what? All the stuff that we see going on in our country, it's based off that stuff. But what it comes down to is God didn't get it right. I've got to fix it. That's really what it comes down to. So they're doing the exact same thing that Satan did back in the garden. I can fix it. God messed up. He created this me this way, if they even did not, if they even accept that. But what they're saying is, my fear, shame, and rejection comes from religion, which is true. But they say, we're going to fix it. I'm going to fix it by changing who I am. And that's what? That's emotion. Clear and simple. Every one of those, that's what it is. The world is full of that. Now, that gets us into some other things we'll talk about in the next section. But notice here, verse 6. Paul is saying, I'm not speaking of man's wisdom, but I'm speaking what? In demonstration of the spirit and of power and in the power of God, verse 6, Howbeit we speak wisdom among them that are perfect, yet not the wisdom of this world, nor of the princes of this world that come to naught, but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory. So there's this other wisdom here that we find out that is competing with this wisdom. There's two completely different groups of teachings. Now, with this wisdom, that also has what? Doctrine. There's teaching on that to teach you, here's the wisdom, here's how to live wisdom based on what God's put in his book. Not only that, but notice in verse 7, he says, but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, not the wisdom of men, but the wisdom of God in a mystery. Even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory. Now, you take, the, you take that issue of, it's a hidden wisdom. God had a plan that he kept secret from before the foundation of the world. That he did not reveal until you get over here with Saul, Paul. We know that, hopefully. But here's the thing. That wisdom is completely contrary to this wisdom. This wisdom is corrupted. This wisdom is what? Incorruptible. 
In fact, that wisdom, you go back to Proverbs and you go through and you read all the stuff about Proverbs. And Job, you get in all that. By wisdom, God formed the earth. He created things by wisdom. His plan that he had, there's a way that it's going to work. And that's one of the reasons why we want to make sure that we see these things because last week we looked at what? There's lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And we looked at how those two showed up differently as far as how the outcome came in Eve and then in Christ right? Well, when Satan shows up and, and, and comes to Eve, says, here's this, this, and this, what's she do? Takes it all. Then goes to Adam, says, here's, take this. And he does, and he does the exact same thing. When Satan shows up to Christ, how did he reply? It is written. He said, the words matter. You know, when we, when we show up here, Bible is the middle word of the church's name. And there is a, there's a reason why. Because the Bible is the middle of what we do. And the cross work is what we preach. So whenever we were thinking of a, of a good name for this ages ago, that's what we came up with. Because we care about the cross work, we preach the cross work, and we care about the Bible. And that's not just a Bible, the Bible. Because the words on the page matter. And if the words on the page don't matter, then all this goes away. And that wisdom means absolutely nothing. And that's one of the reasons why we've got so many churches in the world that are anemic. One's because their Bible's taking the blood out. So you... you Yeah, and it doesn't matter what it actually says, and I'll, I'll have to interpret it for you and tell you what they... I was listening to a guy on the radio this morning, um, and he's reading... I forget exactly what passage it was. He's reading out of Paul. He's like, well, this is what Paul really meant. I was like, no. He really meant what he wrote. If you just read it and leave it alone, he'll tell you what he means. I, we don't need you to interpret That's part of it. Private interpretation really has to do with take, don't take one verse and make a doctrine out of it. And so many people do that, right? <clears throat> but that's, that's one of those things that, that, that we kind of want to make sure that we keep in mind. Now, one of the things we talked about before, as an unsaved person, your spirit is dead. Your soul is dark. And your body's depraved, which means what? You can't do anything to save yourself. That's a bad situation. Ephesians chapter 2, go back over there. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1 again, notice. And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. That's our position. And it, as we said before, and I just want to reiterate this too. This is you. That's your, your soul, that's you. Looks like you, sounds like you, talks like you, that's you. Your spirit is how you and I can communicate with each other and understand what we're ta talking about. We've said this before. Our cat at home, as much as Delilah wishes that she, they could, our cats at home don't understand when we say, we love you, whatever, or get out of the way, any of that stuff. They don't understand it because their spirit's different than ours. As much as you want it to be, no. <clears throat> but that's that idea, right? The fact that I can talk and you can hear me and we can communicate back and forth, because our spirits, can that's what's communicating. Our body is the vehicle through which those two things go through life. 
right? Now, <clears throat> keep on going. Verse 2, wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. So if we were living based off of this wisdom that's corrupted in this doctrine, what do you think that we might be living based off of is lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. That's the course of the world. That's how the world works. And when we were lost and didn't know, that's where we were. And we were in a position that we were dead. Our, soul, our spirit was dead, soul darkened, body depraved. You can't do anything to save yourself. Aren't you glad for the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ? Because that takes care of all of this by us trusting in him. What happens is we're taken out of Adam, placed into Christ. And at that point... Our spirit is now what? Quickened, made alive, right? Our soul now has light, and now our body can actually be used to perform, to serve. Out of what? Sound doctrine. The basis of everything. The fact that we now have an opportunity before... We couldn't do anything to help people out, to glorify God or anything like that. Um, as a lost person, there's nothing you can do outside of trusting what Christ did that would please the Father. Now, get, uh, get 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Now, I want us to be able to see how this stuff kind of works, and we'll, we'll, we'll kind of move through this. <clears throat> 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Second Corinthians chapter 4, start off in verse 1. Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not, but have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. Now you stop there and you think about this. <clears throat> Hidden things of dishonesty, where do you think that's going to fall? Walking in craftiness, where does that fall? Handling the word of God deceitfully, isn't that the thing he did in the very first Genesis chapter 3? But by manifestation of the truth, which would be this over here, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. Notice, but if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. Can a lost, dead, dark, depraved person get the gospel by themselves? Just, I'm going to believe the gospel. I'm going I'm to get saved. I, I believe God. Here's the thing. Notice, <clears throat> the gospel is hid from them. Notice in verse 4, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not. Does that mean that Satan comes along and he gets, okay, as soon as a person is born, I'm going to blind them. As soon as another person is born, blind them. No. How does he blind them? Through that system. And if that's all you know, and mom and dad teach you that as you grow up, and that's the only thing that you know, then that's all that you know. But notice in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest, what's his purpose? Lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Well, there's a gospel there. What's that gospel do? That gospel actually is what? It's the, he calls it what? Lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Aren't you glad that somebody cared enough about you one day to share with you God's grace and the gospel by which we're saved, which comes from this? We've spent a whole life. I spent 21 years of my life living based off of this. Fortunately, now I've lived 25 years based off of this. 
but I still have a bunch of this going on. <laughs> and we're all the same way, all right? But notice, <clears throat> verse 5, For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness hath shined in our hearts. Pause there for a second. When was it that the light, that God commanded light to shine in darkness? Back in Genesis chapter 1, right? In the beginning was what? You had the earth was without form and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And God did what? Spoke. Let there be light. And there was no source of light other than what? His word. His glory is attached to that, right? He said, let there be light. And again, the words are the issue. How is it that somebody can move from this wisdom to this wisdom is they first have to hear what? God's word. You have to hear God's word. Then what takes place is what? You have a choice to trust that or not. If you don't trust it, guess what? You're still here. If you do trust it, this takes place. You don't know it. You don't feel it. You don't smell it. You don't taste it. The only way that you would know that those three things took place is if you get in this book and find out what he's done. And did we know before we were saved that we're a triune being <laughs> in three and one? Didn't care until you get to First Thessalonians or even if you back, went back and read Genesis, you find out that God, what, formed a man out of the dust of the earth. That was the body, breathed the breath of life into him through his nostrils. That's the spirit. And then the man became a living soul. You got the three parts there, right? Now, as we go through here, that's that issue. For God, verse 6 for God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure. What's the treasure? The glorious gospel. That's the treasure that we have. We have this treasure where? If God saved us just to save us from hell, why would, he, why would we still be here? Now, that gets into what we're going to talk about in the next section, but there's some things we can do now that we couldn't do before. And it's why. It's the glorious gospel. That's what it does. Notice, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels that, here's the purpose, the excellency of the power may be of God. Do you remember reading that somewhere else this morning in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 probably? It's not after man's wisdom, after our power, but it's the spirit of the power, and it's, it's the power of God's word. Romans chapter 1, verse 16, Paul says what? For I am ready to preach the gospel to you that, Rome, that are at Rome also. Why? For it is the power of God unto salvation. And we said it last week. So many churches are looking for God's power. They're looking for Acts 2 power, and they're missing the actual power, which is in this book. And they're never going to stop looking for a power that he's not producing anymore, but he's produced this and said, you've got my book. Go do what my book says. Get in it. Read it. Study it. Study it some more. Put it in your heart. Now, they're relying on signs and really they're relying on self. They're still doing this stuff. Because what did that stuff back there do? It produced human good. Right? What did it produce for Adam and Eve? Well, I'm going to cover myself up and I'll be okay. Um, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. <clears throat> we all know this verse, hopefully. First Thessalonians chapter 2. I want to start at verse 10, just because I think this lends a whole lot more to it, if you actually see this. 
1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 10. Paul's talking to the folks here at Thessalonica, and he says what? Ye are witnesses. Don't lose, don't lose those next three words. And God also. Not only are the folks there in Thessalonica witnessing what Paul's getting ready to talk about, but he's saying God witnessed it as well. And the reason he witnessed it is because he's the one producing this in Paul. Notice. How holily and justly and unblameably we behaved ourselves among you that believe. Now there's a couple things there. You'd say, yeah, well that was Paul. But notice what Paul said. We behaved. Not just me as an apostle with the power and the authority to do this, but we, and you go back to chapter 1, verse 1, it says Paul, Silvanus, and Timotheus. Silvanus and Timotheus didn't have the access, if you would, as far as apostleship that Paul did. Now, they were some folks that worked alongside him and all that stuff, but they were able to also do what? Live, behave, holily, justly, and unblameably. We behaved ourselves among you that believe. Paul saw that. The folks there witnessed it. Paul lived it, Silvanus lived it, Timotheus lived it. Verse 11. As ye know how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you, as a father doth his children, that ye should walk worthy of God. That word, that ye would walk worthy of God. When you think about that, Paul's telling them that they can walk holily, justly, and unblameably. That's what he's telling them. Who have called you unto his kingdom and glory. But it's not you choosing to do that. It's not, well, I can go do this and I can be better and I can act holy and I can act just and I can act unblameable. Notice, here's, here's what it comes down to, verse 13. For this cause also thank we God without ceasing because when ye received what? Word of God. Not the way you used to live, not you trying to perform stuff. It's what? You receive the word of God. Not a sign, not something, not, not some religious rite. He's saying, what? When he received, for this cause, we, also we thank God without ceasing, because when you receive the word of God, and there's a difference there, and I want to point that out in a second, which he what? heard of us so question how is it that you get saved colossians chapter 2 tells us some stuff how is it that you get saved you hear the gospel and you either choose to believe it or not well paul says what what did they do with the word of god here which he heard of us what they do they heard it what did the folks in thessalonica have a chance to do you can believe it or not Colossians chapter 2 says what? As you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him. How would you get saved? By trusting what God said. How do you walk? By trusting what God said. The words on the page matter. If they didn't, this verse is wrong and you can't do what God's telling you to do here. And the folks in Thessalonica would not have been able to have witnessed this and God wouldn't have witnessed it either had these verses not been true. Notice. Which you've heard of us. Notice. Ye received it not as the word of men. Why? What's the word of men? It's this junk over here. Now. When you received it, not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the what? The word of God. By the way. When you talk about this book, when you talk about the scriptures, when you talk about this Bible, you're not just talking about some book that's got some books in it. It's not a book that's got some words in it and some letters in it that we should probably read once or twice a year. It's what? It's a book that should be in every aspect of our life. And we talked about that last week. It falls in those three things and takes care of every one of those three things. As I said before last week, if we don't have a verse to match that, Keep finding one. Keep looking. Because any other time you're trying to do this, and what does you working in your own flesh going to produce? 
is fear, shame, and rejection every single time. Notice, <clears throat> when you receive the word of God, which you heard of us, you received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which what? Which effectually worketh also. I love that word also. That word's going to work in you the same way it worked in us that you witnessed and God witnessed. He says, that word will effectually worketh also in you that what? Hear? No. You got to believe it. Now, when you look at this, when you look at this, you can know stuff all day long. The majority of folks that I know know a bunch of stuff. They just gathered in themselves knowledge. Well, what does knowledge do? Knowledge puffeth up. Well, you don't believe what I believe because I know more than you and you should listen to what I say. That's that. And I've had that said to me before. That's okay. <laughs> Multiple times. You just don't know enough. Okay. All right. That's fine. I'll, okay. I'll accept that. I need to go study more. I'm fine with that. Praise the Lord for telling me. Huh? Not yet. Morning's still new. But here's the thing. When, and this is, this is where it kind of, turns over into the next next session series too. Now I want us to think about this. Knowing that's a that's a mentality of your spirit, right? Last week we talked about here is where you reason. I can know a bunch of stuff and it doesn't get farther than that. It doesn't do me any good. Well I've read the Bible through 83 times. You still don't understand about dispensational truth. Might be a problem there. You never heard about the gospel that saves. Might be a problem with that. Know a bunch of stuff. Now, this is where we believe. It's an act of you choosing to say, what I know is true. I know a bunch of stuff. When I believe that thing, it becomes part of my soul, who I am. And that's where it matters. And what happens is you can know a bunch of stuff. What is it? What's the difference between tornado watch and tornado warning? Right? We had some here last week or so. All right. Which one's watch? All right. So, so the way that I've, I've heard this lately, and I like this, a tornado watch means You've got all the ingredients to create a taco. A warning is when you actually have seen a taco all put together, right? One's disassembled, the other one's everything together. Think about it, you'll like it. But that's the point. You'll get there. But here's the thing. Knowing is you've got all these pieces out here that just, it's there. When you actually believe it, what happens is you start building an edifice of sound doctrine in your soul. <coughs> That's where it matters. It doesn't matter up here. I don't care how much you know. It means nothing if it's not here. That's what, huh? You have to know it before you can believe it. You got to hear it, right? Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. That, knowing that's great, don't get me wrong, but it's worthless, if you will, if it never moves here. Because if it never moves here, it can't do what it needs to do over here. Right? Now, <clears throat> when you take a look at all this stuff, and of course we're going to look more like at the different sections and, and how all this stuff works, but here's the thing. We can quote a bunch of verses, 
But if it doesn't actually change anything in our lives, what's it worth? You just know a bunch of stuff to puff up. And I always, I've I told a lot of this and what, what, the way I look at that knowledge of most of the, a lot of the folks that I know that, that are into that stuff is you got your nose so high up in the air that you'll drown if it rains. That's what knowledge does. Because you got it up so far. But that's what that stuff does. Bunch of people put out stuff. I know a bunch of stuff. But it's never done anything. Because you know it, but you don't believe it. Now, we talked a little bit about that last week, right? Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6 starts off no reckon yield fact faith fruit most religions they're looking for what fruit I can produce you fruit I can go downtown I can hand food out to needy people, and you'll say, man, that person's doing a work for the Lord. You can produce fruit, and it not be based off of fact or faith. It's just you producing something. Didn't Adam and Eve produce something? Where did it get them? Got them kicked out of the garden. That's what it is. That's what it, right? That's everything. And I've said this before, people, people that don't go to church are just as religious as people that do go to church. <laughs> they just don't want to admit it. Well, yeah, I mean, it just, it would be corrupted because of the wisdom. Yeah. Now here's the thing. You have a fact or you know something, you've actually believed it or reckoned it or counted it to be true for yourself. When you, read, when you read Galatians 5, it says what? The fruit of the Spirit, not the fruit that you produce, is. God's Word, God wrote His Word, made it known to us. When we read it, we know some stuff. When you actually trust in it, what it does is it comes over here as faith. You reckon it to be true, you believe it to be true, and the Holy Spirit will take that and do what? produce something even in this old nasty flesh but anytime we look and say look at what I've done that's not the fruit the fruit that we, the fruit that the Holy Spirit produces you've got the list in Galatians 5 it's different than the fruit of the spirit or the flesh now Romans chapter 6 he gets this no reckon and yield as you go down through Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 8. No. So, all right. So, knowing is you know something, faith is you actually trust it, you believe it. Yielding, what happens is when you yield, that's wisdom. Wisdom is doing the right thing. It's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a product of the faith. Wisdom will produce in you. Now, prudence is doing the right thing at the right time. And Paul talks about prudence as well. So it's God's word doing all that all the way through. It's the fruit that faith in the fact produces. Huh? <coughs> and it's not our flesh producing it. It's the word producing it. It's the spirit producing that in the flesh. Right? Um, and in Romans 8, that's what you get, right? In Romans 8, what do you have? The spirit and the flesh 
battling. Romans 7 is really where you see it first, right? Paul says, one of the things I didn't want to do, I did. Things I did do, I didn't want to do. But the flesh in me, the sin that's in me, did that. It is, yeah. And it's based off of that. That's that wisdom. That's what your wisdom's going to, that's what that's going to produce. So the corrupted wisdom will produce corrupted, where that wisdom produces the good. So then you think about, you think about how that, how all that works. That starts here. That corrupted wisdom starts here. And it goes backwards. Your soul now works based off what your body says, and then your spirit knows some stuff based on what your body is telling you from the corrupted wisdom. No, because it's going. It's produced already. <laughs> yeah, but no, that's the point. And so then, when you look at Mm-hmm. So then what happens is if you take God's wisdom, some sort of fact, if you change that fact to a lie, that lie will produce and that will produce bad fruit. So when you've got, and that's the thing, like you get saved people that know false doctrine even though they're saved, they're still going to produce bad fruit because their doctrine's bad that they start off with. And so when Paul says that, uh, I don't remember where it says it, but God's spirit will dwell with your spirit. And the only way that that can happen is you have to be quickened. Well, so here's what happens. Colossians chapter 2. We're over time, but that's okay. No, that's fine. Because it's not. <clears throat> Colossians chapter 2. And I'll look at this. We'll look at this real quick. And here, here's the main point about it, too, is that good wisdom, the pure wisdom, the wisdom that we find in Proverbs and the wisdom that we find that founded the earth, the worlds, that's what we should rely on all the, all the way. Now, if you have a corrupted version of that wisdom, that corrupted version came from over here, right? But you've got a saved person. Is it possible for a saved person to produce bad fruit? It is. And the problem is, is because even a saved person, they're starting over here. Even a saved person can start here and have bad stuff. Well, the Bible says, because I feel. So they've changed the fact into a lie. And what happens is, is we don't believe Colossians 2. So when you look at Hebrews chapter 4, and it says the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. And it pierces even dividing asunder between soul and spirit and joints and marrow. It's reading you when you're reading it. If you want to believe something differently about what the verse says, you're more than welcome to believe it. You're believing a lie, though, and it's going to produce bad fruit. You're going to say, well, I need to go. For instance, think about it this way. Was it a fact that God told Noah to build an ark? So if I come today and say, God told me to build an ark, what is that? It's a lie, but I'm going to go and produce an ark. Ken Ham, right? But that's what it is. You still person saved, but they're not going on the actual truth of what God's doing, dispensationally especially, right? You can think your Israel, spiritual Israel, 
which is wrong, and it'll produce. It's not exercising. It's not exercising true faith because it's not God's word, not God's fact. You're not producing wisdom or prudence. You're, you're producing exactly what Satan would want you to do. And again, it comes off of even, uns, un, even saved people work this way sometimes going that way. But the good thing is, Colossians 2, we look at verse 11, talking about Christ, saying, In whom also ye are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands, and putting off of the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. What the, Spirit, what the Holy Spirit does, crucifies your flesh, cuts your flesh off to where you don't have to be controlled by that anymore but you can make a decision to do so. And we got a lot of people. That's why Paul says what he says in Ephesians, walk not as the Gentiles walk, in the vanity of their minds. And the vanity of their minds, and of course this gets into what we're going to talk about later on in the other, other series, if you've not reckoned that old man dead, and you're saying, I want to live based off of what this flesh wants, What's it going to do is it's going to produce bad fruit. And that and that's when we grieve the Holy Spirit, when a saved person goes that way. Yeah. Yeah. Because <clears throat> you're walking as the Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind. And vanity of your mind, what it does is it pulls in all the bad doctrine it can <laughs> every time it wants to it will and that's where false religions come from and and he's saying you've got saved people acting like unsaved people as if their souls are dead and he's saying don't walk that way yeah yeah, because they're choosing not to. And, and, and again, we'll talk about that a little bit more, but there's other stuff in there um, that, that you'll see. That's where you're walking opposed to yourself. When Paul talks about in 2 Timothy chapter 2, those that oppose themselves, that's where he gets into that stuff. 